So, Hun, I know that you struggle with uh, sleeping well with your multiple sclerosis. I know that getting a good night's sleep is kind of hard, and you dream sometimes weird dreams and that kind of thing. Have you had any weird dreams lately, or is, <laughs> are they always happy dreams? Or We're bringing this up because this really is an issue with me. Sleep is so hard when you have MS, and um, the worst is finally falling asleep and getting the rest I need, but having dreams that... Barrett is like being mean to me or Barrett's like having an affair with someone or I don't know. I've even had dreams this week where I like have a whole youth group and we have nowhere to stay and I go into a furniture store and talk to the manager and ask him if my whole youth group can sleep in his furniture store. I mean, it is Fun just dreams. the weirdest thing. And yeah. I wake up and I'm so frustrated because I feel tired from going emotionally through whatever we were going through in so our marriage like or sleep. life. It it's so Restless. annoying. I don't know if this is the whole premenopausal menopause. Do you ever have a nap? Do you ever have a dream uh, though that makes you wake up and you wake up mad at me? Yeah. Or really it's been, I want to be a reassured you love me. And yes. I'm like, do you love me? Would you ever do that? Oh my gosh. And poor Barrett's like, oh my gosh, I just woke up. Don't like <laughs> accuse me of having an affair. <laughs> Let's realize dreams are weird places where our brains go weird places. So. Oh, it wears me out. I hate it. All right. Well. Maybe you relate to that. If you can, welcome to the Imperfect and Normal Families Only podcast. This is Barrett Johnson. And Jennifer Johnson. Hey, the two of us run Info for Families and a ministry that we do, and we love podcasting and pushing content out there for y'all. We've got a two-part series we're doing right now. If you saw the title of this thing uh, on the, uh, the the tag that you clicked on, the title of this thing is How to, to Know the Ten Ways to Find the Seven Steps, the Five Secrets to Being a Successful Parent, Husband, or Wife in Three Easy Steps. This is part two of that so hopefully i listen to part one if you haven't stop right now and go back and listen to last week's podcast because yeah, if do. you start here and, and don't go back there first today's not gonna make any sense so if you haven't listened to last week's episode uh, about part one of this then go back there hey we were uh looking at some fun stuff and i came across some goofy tweets that capture marriage really well that I, I it was on some website. I have no idea where I found it, but it was some hilarious collection of, of tweets people have posted that are funnier and smarter than us that I thought were, were great. Here's one I thought was great, Jen, that you can relate to. Yeah. Uh, it's my wife's birthday, so she gets to pick the restaurant. Unlike all those other times when, wait for it, she gets to pick the restaurant, <laughs> which I guess just to comply. I just think that the husbands or guys are generally pretty easygoing, and I'll just go wherever as long as I get to be with uh, you. I, yeah. I've Our whole 30 years of being married almost is... Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? eat? It's like, oh my gosh, I very rarely know exactly what I want. It's so annoying. (laughs) I I annoy myself. Sure. What's one of the tweets you saw, Jenna? One of the ones I saw too was um, dating is like when you get to finish each other's sentences and it's just so romantic and wonderful. And then marriage is like, quit mocking me by finishing my sentences. (laughs) The very things you love Uh, when you're dating and become the curse later on. This is good. And this is a husband chronicling this and I can relate completely. Um, the, the The wife's out of town and I've gone completely wild. The toilet seat has been up for days. <laughs> you know, I, I just, my natural instinct now, I put the toilet seat down, but boy, the first 20 years of my oh life, my I gosh, didn't think Barrett, about that. Oh my gosh, you've been really good about that. Then it's raising two sons that was tr- more troubling than you ever doing that. Indeed. What else you got, hon? Um, then I saw the one, or you shared the one with me. I told my husband I was sad today. It's not true, but when I'm sad, he takes me out to dinner. When you've been married for 27 plus years, you learn a thing or two. So just fake sad so you can get... 
We don't data. do that. No, um, but somebody does. Somebody else there. does that, but that's pretty hilarious. Um, this is good. Uh, let's get married so we can argue about what movie to watch in the background while we stare at our phones. Mm. <laughs> it's just our world. Today. I hate when we're doing that because I think it's so tacky that other people do it. Yeah. But of course. You catch yourself doing it too. Well, if you relate to any of this, of course, you're at the right place. We're glad you joined us today. So before we get our main topic, let's look at something that's fun that's in the news. So we saw a stupid story that this is just on Fox News from yesterday about an Ohio couple aged 100 and 102. They got married after falling in love at a senior home. We just heard about a couple who've been married for 75 years, which is amazing. But this couple, like obviously singles, uh, widows, I imagine, uh, both of them in their hundreds, 100 and 102, fell in love and wanted to get married at a nursing home, which I don't know how I feel about this. That's worth doing or not at that age. Can we not just be friends? I mean... <laughs> I'm just like, what? what what's, what's the take? What's the plus in I mean, that? I mean, I want to get married so I can have sex. I can't imagine getting married at that age. What are you going to do? Well, live, maybe move, they, move in. Maybe they just want to live in the same room together. And okay, they, and they wouldn't let them do that in their Snuggle. Room. I don't yeah. know, but I just think it's kind of funny. And I... I don't know. Well, here's a question, okay. honey. In the I don't article, know what to think of it. Someone asked them, the reviewer said, what's their favorite thing to do together? Snuggle. Well, I probably shouldn't talk about that, John answered, suggesting the spark between them is quite alive. Well, you va, never va, know. Boom. You never know, I guess. You, you, no idea. Who knows? But they, they keep in both their own apartments. He's upstairs and I'm downstairs. Oh, they didn't move in together they after spend, they got married? They spend their days together at facilities, sharing oh, meals, brother. sitting outside in the sun, which you could personally do without being married. But Yeah, so where do they have va-va-voom? Who knows, baby? Okay. Anyway, there's your news for today. It can still sometimes our news is legit and serious, and sometimes <laughs> it's totally goober like today. Sorry who, about that. Who knows? So, Jen, welcome to part two of this topic. And again, this long title we have, you know, how to find the 10 ways and the seven keys, and the five secrets, just reflect on all the blog posts we see in our world today that are all about lists. And if you just work this checklist, it'll make everything better. And as parents, as married people, we're always looking for ways to make our family lives better. So those checklists are attractive to us. But uh, if you uh, listen to last week's podcast, you realize that that's really kind of a bait and switch. We, we're kind of, it's kind of a teaser yeah. to get you to look at this because the reality is there are no shortcuts, there are no checklists to what we're going to talk about today. What we want to share today is the, the, the part two and the hows and whys of the one principle we taught last week is the most important thing you can do in married life and parenting life is just in your family is to strive to walk intimately with God, to know Him well, to be in fellowship with Him, and then open up and share for the rest of your life a two-way conversation where you're talking to Him and God is talking to you. So the argument we made last week was really God has a voice Mm-hmm. And he cares about what you're going through in your family. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. Yeah. Well, and I've always said when we teach that, you know, I don't know. I just, I am the queen of the check boxers. I mean, um, checklist, checklist, you know, I love to check off the boxes, but what God taught me is there is no, you know, three-step plan. And if I gave you, Jennifer, the pamphlet on how to parent, pamphlet on how to have the perfect marriage, you would never speak to me. And I said, Lord, that's so true. I mean, what's pushed me into a, a pretty wonderful relationship with God is 
walking with him, crying out to him for understanding and stuff with my family, with our marriage, with our kids. Man, I just, I just don't know how people do it without having God in their life and, and just feeling like you're all alone trying to figure it out on your own. And we don't have to feel that way as believers. One thing I wanted to share today are just people that we still have such respect for who are very godly leaders and in our world. And one of them I really appreciate is Beth Moore. And the reason we're giving this is really because some are talking about having listening to the voice of God and hearing his voice. Sometimes folks get skeptical and they get freaked out by, oh, that seems a little too wishy-washy weird. We want to make an argument even more since last week. So again, go back and listen to last week, but make an argument even more that this is legitimate, sound theology that folks that we know and that we trust have said the voice the voice of God is something that's critical for us as we share this relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so again, some of these folks you talk about, including Beth Moore. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, I just love Beth Moore because she's given me such a hunger for God's word from sitting through so much of her teaching. But she says, I love this. She says, you know, Deuteronomy begins with, hear, O Israel. And, and you know, do you see that with that, these people have been set apart by God and they have the ability to hear him. That's why that scripture says that in Deuteronomy. Um, to hear the voice of God is everything. They knew that. And that's why their absolute proclamation and the cry of their heart was to hear God. This is a direct quote from Beth Moore. We are his children because we can hear him. If you are his child, what he wants more than anything is for you to hear him speak to you. And I would watch her teaching on videos most all the time and the Bible studies that I did. And I literally, when I was young, would think, I want to be like Beth Moore when I grow up. You know what I mean? Like, I want to have what she has, but I'm sure it's going to take me years and years to get there and some sort of special pixie dust sprinkled on my head. And, you know, I mean, I just thought maybe I would get there. I didn't realize that everybody can have that. It's not just Beth Moore. That's right. You know, but Beth Moore does walk closely with God and we can too. Another person that we respect a lot is Rick Warren. He says, you will never grow a close relationship with God by just attending church once a week or even having a daily quiet time. Friendship with God is built by sharing all your life experiences with him. Of course, it's important to establish the habit of daily devotional time with him, but he wants more than an appointment in your schedule. He wants to be included in every activity, every conversation, every problem, and and even every thought. And, you know, that totally reminds me of praying without ceasing. I I truly, truly pray all the time. Um, I I really do. I talk to God all day long about everything. And take time to listen to what he wants to say to you, which is the two-way communication part of that. seek him and be quiet, yes. Charles Stanley, um, another person, I believe the most valuable lessons we can ever learn is how to listen to God in the midst of our complex and hectic lives. Nothing is more urgent, nothing more necessary. Um, Henry Blackaby, there are few truths in Scripture more exciting than this, that God speaks to his people. The same God who created the universe with a word now speaks to us, which just makes me want to hit the ground with my nose to the floor, just thanking God that he loves me enough to make this world and then care about little old me. He gives, uh, Henry Blackaby goes on to say, he gives clear personal instructions, which enable you to experience fully his power, presence, and love. 
And then A.W. Tozer, this is a quote from him saying, The voice of the shepherd is as tender as a lullaby, strong as the wind, and mighty as the sound of many waters. The voice of Jesus, that healing, musical, solemn, beautiful voice of Jesus. The child of the king isn't a sampler and a nibbler. He is a sheep who loves his shepherd and stays awfully close to him. So that's critical for us to draw close to God knowing this. So here, here's a practical application of all this, and we'll get into specifics. If you're in the middle of something in your life right now, whether it's a family struggle or something as you parent or in your marriage or something at work, uh, you're going through something hard and difficult and challenging, and you're not sure exactly what to do. There is a God who, again, loves you and is crazy about you, and he wants to lead you. He wants to walk it through with you and tell you and guide you as you make decisions and as you uh, have conversations with the people that you love and you're working through these things. He wants to be there with you in the middle of all this, and he has a voice. And so mm-hmm. our biggest response, our biggest uh, cha- biggest uh, objective as people who want to be used by God and have God show up in our lives is to learn to hear his voice and to walk with him. There's a great verse we love in John 17, 3 that captures this. And this is the words of Jesus. It's in red in my Bible. It says, this is eternal life. This is Jesus speaking. This is eternal life. What is it? That they, you and I, may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's like Christ is even saying this to his disciples. Eternal life doesn't begin at some moment when you die and you show up and end up in heaven. Right. Eternal life begins when we begin to know God and walk with him. That begins right now, and it's offered to you and I as we do our lives. And so learning to do that is critical as we move mm-hmm. through life. And so one of the principles talking about this is who we choose to hear. In Matthew 13, 9, we find the phrase that is most often used by Jesus. And it is where we have spiritual ears to hear when we are born of God and we have chosen to make him Lord and Savior of our lives. Um, But we still have to choose to listen to that voice. Again, it's an everyday thing. And then we also have to choose who we hear. And this is critical. And this is what I, this is kind of the meat and potatoes of today. And Jen, you teach us a lot and share it a lot with people as you disciple them, that there are perhaps three voices in our heads that, that we could entertain, three voices that we would hear. And so probably the biggest challenge for us is to discern or learn to discern what the voice in our head, what, mm-hmm. what the self-talk we're hearing, what those voices are so we can know how to act and move on them. So right. three voices. Talk about that a minute, hon. There's three distinct uh, voices that we hear, and I used to think there was a fourth. It would be Jiminy Cricket from, you know, the Disney shows that we used to watch where Jiminy Cricket would it's sit my on conscience. my... Yeah, it would sit on my shoulder. But I finally realized scripturally it's the flesh or it's the enemy or it's God. Those are three voices we got to choose between. So how do we determine which ones, what it is we're hearing? We have a thought, we're making a decision on something, and we have this idea that comes into our head. And God will do that sometimes. God will place thoughts or insights or ideas in our head. But how do we know if that idea is from God? It might be our mm-hmm. flesh. What does that kind of the look like? The flesh is characterized, my friend Tina teaches, by wanting what gratifies, indulges, and feels good. It wants the easy way out, and it's probably best summed up in, uh, summed up in the phrase, it's all about me. Well, there's this verse that we love that you can just see, James 4, and there's, you know, Jimmer's got her NIV and he's got her message kind of side by side. They're both good because they're insightful, but uh, what is James chapter 4? I'm going to read out of the message, and it says, where do you think all of these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. 
So, I mean, there is a battle with the flesh that's spoken about many times in God's word. But um, again, I love that verse. And, and that's one of the things that we're going to struggle with. Uh, an example my friend uses in her study is one of the easiest ways to distinguish the ways of the flesh is do you have to hide it to do it? Remember that chocolate chip cookie that you wanted to eat until you were home alone or everyone else was out of the room? And I think that's so true. Something I think secret if it's something, something that I kind of want to hide, yeah. then that's usually a wrestle with the flesh and the yeah. flesh is telling me something. And then personally, I wrestle with the flesh just looking in the mirror when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I'm 50 years old and I have a zit. I cannot believe this. You know, it's like, this isn't fair. Well, when you're hypercritical of yourself. And I'm super hypercritical of myself. And it's many times that God points out, Jennifer, that is your flesh. And you're comparing yourself to others. And what is it that's making you do that? And it's usually for me watching too much TV, TV where yeah fluffy TV where I am looking at people my age like Jennifer Lopez and going she's the same age as I am how is that fair she looks like she's 30 and she's 50 you know and, Jenny, I, and I start you're, honey, you're the only Jenny from the block stop. that I want just so you know I just wish I had that skin and I wish I didn't have those wrinkles. Well, but and, I think and it's it's rooted usually, so the, flesh. the flesh is usually rooted in self-centered motives. Mm-hmm. It's about me. Thinking about me. All yeah, and, and so again, as you're hearing a voice or a thought and, and you're wanting, is this God? If, it, if it's focused on you and your benefit and your satisfaction and your happiness, God wants those things for us, obviously. But if it's rooted solely in that and is not God-centered and other-centered, mm-hmm. it can be kind of a red flag that we're kind of barking up the wrong tree. So the flesh is one voice you might hear. That's that personal dialogue about what you want and, and as you interact with other people, is it is it rooted in that? The second thing is uh, the voice you hear is the enemy. And I think, sadly, many believers are too in tuned to the enemy's voice and they're mindful of that. They might they're be aware. giving him credit well, where not, he doesn't even... Well, they're not being aware of it, I don't think. They're yeah. they're being deceived or being tricked and that's the nature of the enemy. He is he is wired that way as a liar. Um, that's how he operates. Everything he speaks is a lie. He's a, the, the god of marketing, basically, the angel of marketing. He takes everything that's going to destroy us and make us our life go miserable and he decorates it and dresses it up in a way that makes us think we can't live without it. But I know John 8, 44 kind of describes the enemy and his character that way. Yeah, and it says that um, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There you go. And so one of the my most favorite studies in discipling women is lies women believe and the truth that sets them free because we buy into lies on a daily, just daily, without even thinking about it. So, so many times when I'm discipling young girls or young moms, I am just like, when you are struggling, you stop and say, am I buying into a lie, what, what is the lie? in this moment? Yeah. You know, and maybe you are a working mom and you are being hard on yourself about your schedule and just um, thinking you're just a horrible mom or a horrible wife or whatever, you have to stop and say, is this a lie? Yes, it's a lie. You are not a terrible person. Maybe you do need to adjust your schedule. Maybe you need to leave more time for your husband. But 
we have got to stop ourselves and we have got to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ where when you've heard that scripture take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ i mean the way that you practically do that is you say i am having thoughts right now are they of god and are they lies and if it's and a lie with, and that's the key is that you should know the truth to us free if it doesn't align with god's word and what he says about who you are then it is yeah. a lie so and you're being it is by a lie enemy. call it out as yeah. a lie but don't give the enemy all this credit. No, just just say, walk away. this is the lie. I realize it is. And now what I'm going to pour myself into is the truth of what God says about me on the other side of that lie. And because God exercise. will always have a truth yes. for you. And that's where we need to dwell. That's where we need to say... The enemy isn't after me. The enemy doesn't have me. The enemy didn't give you a bad day. We're not going to give him that much power. He doesn't have that much power. Yeah. Just say, I believed a lie, mm-hmm. which we know came from the enemy. And then we're going to claim God's word and his truth and give God the glory for combating that lie and helping us to live in the truth of who he says we are, what we can accomplish, yeah. what we can do, what he has called us to do. He enables us. And I think we give the enemy way too much Cred. Well, to start right there and to say, that's a lie. I'm walking away from it. God, what is the truth you have for me? Mm-hmm. What What is the truth? How do I begin to walk in that? And that's where we begin. The third voice is the God's the voice of God and learning to hear from it. I love this passage in Isaiah 30, uh, starting in the end of verse 20 uh, of chapter 30. He says, he, God, your teacher will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whether you turn to the right or the left. God's voice does want to lead you day by day and where to walk and what to do and which way to turn. And particularly for families, as we do marriage, we do parenting, mm-hmm. as we say, God, what do I do with this kid? How do I help this kid to manage this? How do I reach this kid's heart? God wants to to tell you those things and lead you in those things. Yes. So those are the three voices, discern what they are and whether you're hearing them or not. Jen, let's move into just a little bit of a practical application. Someone wants to hear the voice of God. Someone wants to know his, his voice, wants to be able to led by him. Let's talk about some kind of barriers or obstacles to hearing the voice of God. What gets in the way? These five things are in kind of no particular order, but let's just unpack them one at a time here. I think one thing that can get in the way of us hearing the voice of God is noise. Just the noise from our lives. Just that there's always music and TV and I can get in the car sometimes and just turn the radio on immediately. When a car can be the most beautiful place to just go, God, what are you Mm -hmm. showing me? What are you telling me? What am I learning from you today? What do you want me to see about you today? And then taking time as you drive down the road to listen to what word God might have for you. So mm-hmm. like our noise in our ears can be an obstacle. Yeah. And I think that fasting can look a lot of different ways, but I think we need to fast from media. I think we need to fast from our phones. I think we need to fast from social media. Yeah. I mean, I really believe with all my heart and I am practicing this in my life. Barrett and I are going to go away for a week by ourselves to the beach and I will not post on Facebook until the whole week is over because I want to live in the moment of the trip. I don't mind putting it on Facebook. And the reason why I do that is because Barrett buys me like the whole yearbook of Facebook. And that's the only um, journal I have for my children. It's It's like the photo journal for, cause I'm just not a good scrapbooker or anything. And, um, 
So I will post about it, but I won't post about it in the moment because I think we need to enjoy the moment for what it is. And we can do that in a couple hours when you get home, you know, or an hour when you get home. It shouldn't even take that long. But anyway, I just think we we need to even fast from stuff like that so that we can enjoy our marriage, so that we can enjoy our kids, so that we can have kids who don't see their parents looking at their phone all the time and... um, I don't know. We've just gotten so far away from being quiet. Yeah. We don't even know how to do that. And we need quiet to listen. We really do. And yeah. and I also say, God, I'm seeking you on something, and I'm going to be quiet until I feel like you give me an answer. That's good. And so I don't listen to the radio for several days in a row. I you know get up earlier in the morning and don't go back to sleep because I need to hear from him or whatever. Yeah. Here's another practical one that's simple. We get a little heavier on this. Uh, an obstacle to hearing the voice of God can be just your busyness. And that's kind of related to noise. We're just always going. And there's no margin in your life. And I mean, you're burning the candle at all ends and you just don't have any energy whatsoever to have this personal relationship where you sit with God and say, God, speak to me. I want to know you. I want to be with you. We showed this last week that the most amazing reality we could possibly get our hands wrapped, heads wrapped around is this reality that the God of the universe has invited us to know him personally. That's just, it blows me away. But yeah, I think in our lives so many times we get so filled up with details and schedule and activity and getting everyone everywhere else that, that it's almost like our response, that invitation to know God personally, it's almost like we're saying to God, that's a beautiful, wonderful invitation. God, I'm just a really busy person. I can't work you in. Mm-hmm. And that's just ridiculous that we can't work in mm-hmm. this God who loves us, pursues us, and wants to lead us and guide us and everything in our life. So maybe you need to slow down your schedule a little bit. Well, and it doesn't have to be this, I don't know, in-depth Bible study sure. that you got to stop and do every day. Yep. Again, it goes back to that praying without ceasing and just walking that path from that scripture and God telling you to go to the left or right. Well, he yeah. can't tell you to go left or right if you're not talking to him and, right. and conv- uh, I don't know, conversationally as yeah. you go all the time. Sure. A third thing of five that can get in the way, and this is kind of the heavier one, and this is one that we all need to kind of examine our hearts is selfish motives. And Tina talks about that in her study that we love, the I Can Only Imagine study. When you go to God with, God, lead me or show me or tell me, and we have selfish motives, we already have an agenda. I can reflect on when I went to God about adopting our fifth child. For four or five weeks, I already prayed it through. I said, God, I'm going to pray with you about this. I want to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Lead me in this. But I almost kind of brought my own agenda to God and said, I'll pray with you and talk to you about it, God, as long as you answer me the you way. Answer, yeah, to. as long as you align with my ideas for this mm-hmm. right now, the vending machine God. Yeah. And so I think when God, God knows our hearts, but I think for us to be aware of that, God, show me, but I've already got in my mind what the right thing to do is here. Yeah. I've got to figure it out. We can sometimes have a selfish motive in our mm-hmm. flesh. We're hearing our flesh more than we're hearing God there. Well, and I also think that we can say we have prayer requests, you know, and we're acting like we really do want to hear from God, but really we just want everybody to know our business, to step into it and help us or whatever. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm like, man, we can pray for each other, but we don't have to know every detail and it be all about us. Yeah. Well, two more, and these are the heaviest ones, I think. Two things that get in the way of us hearing the voice of God. Uh, Number four here is, is just sin. The sin in our hearts. Now, the good news of the gospel is that when we accept Christ as our Savior and we're transformed by Him and made a new creation, all of our sin, past, present, future, is forgiven and wiped away. We are right 
before a holy God. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't affect God's view of us, but I think our sin affects mm-hmm. our connection to that God. I think when we start sinning, we start putting up a wall between us mm-hmm. and God. And our mind and the enemy starts mm-hmm. lying to us yeah. saying, oh, you're dirty, you've done these wrong things. Don't bother going to God. God yeah. doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Is a lie. Feel shame. Oh and yeah, all that garbage that the enemy gives you, and so it pulls us away from God. And so, if you're ever in a time, and I have had this so many times, I can't even tell you, um, where I just don't feel close to God, and He feels very distant to me. I will have to like stop myself and go, "Oh my gosh, Lord, what have I done? Yeah. Like, what, what?" Because he's not. Because he hadn't pulled yeah, away from you. It's me. But and it's like, I, but I haven't even stopped to realize that. Yeah. So listen to me. I mean, we will never arrive, people. This we are in the process of sanctification. Yep. We'll never have this figured out until we're in heaven. And until then, we're going to wrestle with this. And I wrestle with this. And I think, gosh, I have not prayed. I am not seeking him. I am not walking with him. And Lord, expose in me some, what sin is it that I, maybe something little, like I am have an idol at the time and I'm serving that idol and I'm putting all my time towards that and I have given nothing to Christ. And so that's an idol. It needs to be torn down. Here's a great heads up if I can add to that, hon. How do you know what an idol is in your life? I spend all every here's, single here's minute. Here's the way I describe it. That's it right there. It's, it's what you think about when, when you're, you're not, not thinking, thinking about anything. anything at all. When your brain's on neutral, what does your mind go to? And yeah. it could be money or your stuff or the vacation next week or whatever. It could be an idol if you're not careful. But here's a great thing back to our God having a voice. When you say in your prayer, God, show me what, where I'm being disobedient or where I'm putting up a wall between mm-hmm. us. What's the sin in my life? God has a voice. And I will tell you that when He straightens me out, I cannot explain this to you until you feel it for yourself. But even when like he has said, Jennifer, speak, or Jennifer, go and pray for this person, and I have totally disobeyed him, or I've just completely missed him because I'm not even looking for him, he never ever makes me feel bad when he bubbles up to the surface what the problem is. He doesn't berate me. I don't feel like he speaks to me in a mean voice. It's not like... It's just so loving. It's a, it's Him, a shepherd. Go back to the shepherd is. illustration. It's like I'm the gonna, shepherd yeah, that just gently yep. brings me back over. But it's the enemy that says, oh my gosh, you blew it again. Yep. Look at you. You're such yep. a loser. I can't believe that. When are you ever going to get that right? Like how many times do you have to do it wrong, Jennifer? That's the enemy. I mean, that's the enemy and he kicks in very quickly. Yep. But I want you to know your God, when he when he does guide and direct, it is, it is such a loving loving shepherd I, I just can't put it into words but i have messed up and i remember being in a hospital where i felt like god wanted me to go in and pray over this little girl who was in the emergency room and i would just driven the mother there behind the ambulance and i didn't do it and i walked out into the hallway and i just felt the sweetest word and god just said jennifer let's let's let that not happen again. Like that really was me talking to you and telling you to pray for her. But God really doesn't need me to pray for her. He'd like me to, and he'd like me to be obedient. But I can't tell you how many times I've blown it. And then God just is so sweet with me. Fantastic. Well, there's a scripture that I love that relates to all this. In, uh, In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter five. 
in verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think seeing God and hearing God are pretty synonymous there. We'll know God. We'll see his presence. We'll know he's close by when our hearts are pure, because nothing that we're doing is getting in the way of us approaching God with boldness and confidence. Well, the fifth thing, finally, if you want to hear the voice of God, here's an obstacle that might be in your way. It's I call this, and it's kind of a funny word, I call it biblical anorexia. We know what anorexia is. You're not nourishing your body with the food that it needs. You're starving yourself. I think there's many believers out there who are biblically starved, and they don't know God's Word. They don't, they don't know God's Word closely. And there's even a uh, principle that I love that is great. I heard it said before, those who know God's Word best hear His voice the clearest, hear His voice the loudest. I think we know God's Word. We know His character. We know His heart. We know how He's made the world to work and the principles He's given us to live our lives. I truly believe that we will hear his voice clearly because we know the character of God. And so it's obvious to us. It's clear to us when God is speaking to us according to his word. We said this last week. We'll say it one more time. God's word, God's voice will never contradict what he's written down in scripture. So if you think, I mean, back when I was a youth minister, I'd run into couples that I was coaching that were young adults or college age. And they'd say, you know what? Uh, we're a year away from marriage and um, we've tried to guard our relationship sexually, but we've committed, you know what? We're going to go ahead and sleep together. We're going to go ahead and have sex. I know it's a year from our marriage, but we're engaged. We've even prayed about it, they've said, and we feel like God's told us it's okay. And again, I'm not providing any shame or guilt on someone that's your lifestyle, but I just say you're deceived if you think something that God has said clearly in his word is not to be done. You're saying that God has told me it's okay. God's never going to be uh, a contradictory. You're never going to be the exception to the rule that God gives. So be aware of that. So to know God's voice, we've got to be in his word. And so find a way to get habitually and regularly where you're reading the word of God, you're, you're mindful of what he's like. And if you're not clear on something in the short term and you don't know God's word, great. Go ask someone, if you're looking for a sermon on something, go ask someone that you trust that knows God's word better than you do and ask them for counsel and advice. And probably they'll help you discern clearly the voice of God in your life. So here's kind of a challenge. If you're someone who in in your marriage or as your parent or just in your life that you need a word from God, you need to know what God wants you to do or how God wants you to adjust or to lead or to recapture the heart of your child or whatever it might be, you need a word from God. Can I just say, if you make it your earnest prayer, God, show me what to do. God, speak to me about this issue. If that's your earnest prayer, I promise God wants to answer that prayer. God wants to to lead you and open your eyes to what he wants you to do. And so maybe wherever you're at, you need to start doing that. Make that your first starting place. God, show me what I need to do in the middle of all this. And he he will come alongside you. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have this as kind of a topic of this uh, week's podcast and last week's. I hope and pray that it's been relatively encouraging to you just because it's not an easy fix, but it's the one fix or that's the one solution that's at the core of the gospel and the core of God's design for us and our relationship with him. Walk with him, seek his leadership, and let him speak to you and guide you in all the things you're going to do. I want to share a couple of resources that we like that might help you do this for further reading. So check out this resource. So two great books that we love. Uh, one of them is a study book uh, by Priscilla Schreier called Discerning the Voice of God, uh, How to Recognize When God Speaks. Great little study. Anything by Priscilla Schreier is going to be solid theologically. 
do that study and it'll give you some great insights into kind of what's next or how to discern the voice of God. A lot of further reading stuff there. Another book we love that came out about a year ago. I can't believe, oh, excuse me, I can't believe it's 10 years ago, Jen, when uh, Francis Chan's Forgotten God came back, came mm-hmm. out. And we just love that book as well. Yeah. Because uh, it just describes the Holy Spirit and the, the Spirit's role of interacting with us day by day in our lives. So again, great read by Francis Chan, a book called Forgotten God. It's 10 years old, but it's still incredibly good. And again, we, we mentioned last week as a resource, our friend Tina's uh, book called uh, I Can Only Imagine. She's coming out with a new version uh, in a couple of months, but if you want to get that one right now, the old version, which is fantastic, one of our favorite study guides uh, about hearing the voice of God, you can go to our website at infoforfamilies.com to get your hands on that, and we'll push it out to you ASAP. We love it. Let's look at our question of the week. All right, so our question of the week relates to this topic, Jen. Very quickly, this is an important issue. How do I teach my kids to know the voice of God? So I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm, I'm trying to discern the voice of God in my own life. How do I teach my kids to hear the voice of God? Mm-hmm. And, and can our kids, Jen, can our 10-year-olds mm-hmm. know the voice of God in their life and, and learn to follow it? Is that something that's above their pay grade? Can, can they do that? Well, the way that I put it is, if your child has professed that Christ is their savior, however they want to put it in their words with our kids, we would say that, you know, that Jesus is the boss of you. Jesus is my boss, you know, because they are um, such concrete thinkers and not abstract yet. But when they do make some sort of decision like that and make it public, the Holy Spirit indwells the, the Bible them. promises that. That's the promise of God, that they it have is. the Holy Spirit. And that is why Jesus left, <laughs> so that we could have the Holy Spirit. And um, I saw this in my own well, son. Is there, pause a minute. Is there a junior Holy Spirit, though, Jen? Is there a? Is he like a little small Jiminy Cricket version, or is he the real power no, presence No, and of God? I think going through what I went through with our yeah, son yeah. really taught me that okay. there is no such thing as the junior Holy yeah. Spirit. And also Tina, my mentor and the writer of this study, um, taught me that there is no junior version. You get the adult size version Holy Spirit when your child believes in God. And one day someone tried to abduct my son out of our driveway in Texas back when we lived in the um, DFW area of Texas. And he says he heard a voice that said, run. And he ran inside the house and screamed in a way that I could never, ever, I don't know, I could never read. He could probably not redo it. I don't ever want to hear that sound again. It was just a, just a yell like you've never heard. And once he settled down, we realized this guy had tried to abduct him. It was a guy that had been in the area and had been trying to abduct children in several different instances. And, um, you know, I sat down with Lindsay Landon and Emily, even though they were little. And Tina, I think, had started to write this study on hearing the voice of God. And I was learning that it was true. And it wasn't just me making it up. And I taught this to my kids so that they would understand that when it, God says run, yeah. that's not Jiminy Cricket. It's not your mom. It's not your flesh. It's not the enemy. The God enemy. has information that he wants to share with you right now that you can act on right now. He does. But it shows you that God, I, there's no junior Holy Spirit. 
and he helps our children and he takes care of our kids. And now that he's a firefighter, you know, people ask me, are you afraid of your son being a firefighter? Or do you feel fearful? And I legit do not ever feel fearful because Landon walks with God. And if Landon needs to get out of a situation or into a situation or work out a situation a certain way, mm-hmm. I know that he will hear the voice of God yeah. behind him saying, here is the way, walk in it, you know? What better peace for a parent to have? So your kids are never too young to teach them mm-hmm. that. Um, and even our 11-year-old is struggling a little bit. And her sweet counselor is teaching her that she has a bossy brain. And really what she's teaching my daughter is to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, but she just words it this way. She says, you have a bossy brain, and you need to tell your brain that whatever fear she's having, that's not true. And that's the flesh or it's the enemy. And and then she always teaches her to grab onto God's truth. This counselor is a Christian, and she works with children in the most beautiful way. Yeah. So, man, I wish I would have learned that when I was young. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just would have been so much made life so much easier or I would have had so much more help. I wouldn't have been on my own for all those years. And yeah. so please, please teach these things to your children. Well, and it's so fundamental, what we're describing in this, in this last two podcasts, so fundamental to the Christian life. This is not advanced masters, advanced level no. Christian life. This is basic Christianity of learning to walk with God and hear his voice and be in a relationship with and him. And again, you can get it wrong and it's going to be okay. I think some of us are so fearful of God, yeah. they don't even want to try to listen for him because they don't they don't want to disrespect him or dishonor him. Yeah. Oh my goodness, he we are his child and he is going to correct us in a loving way We're stupid sheep but he will i say us. i am the dumbest sheep in the flock and he still uses us so as you do your family life just remember god's with you and he's for you and he wants to lead you and he wants to talk to you and so we're not going to give you again our 10 ways to find seven keys of five secrets blah 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 <laughs> if you want to have a better family life you want god to join you as you do your family life listen for him listen to his voice seek him out and he will talk to you a uh, final word of encouragement, guys. Get the resources, all the links to stuff we got on our, we mentioned here on our, our website. Um, as always, if you share our podcast, we love when you do that. Uh, check out stuff at infofamilies.com. And uh, we'll be sure to see you next time. This is Barrett. And Jennifer. And we'll see you guys next time on the Info for Families podcast. See ya.